Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? I'm Rosha. And I'm Hannah. And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls. And this week we are covering the hours. Uh, and I have titled this one, She Would Buy the Flowers Herself. Ah, I, I like love, it. I love that line. I like it. <laughs> so the book was originally published July 31st, 1998. And it's written by Michael Cunningham, which I don't know a lot of a lot else mm-hmm. that was written by him. Um, it has a Goodreads rating of 3.9 out of 5, and it's 226 pages. And the movie came out in 2002. It's a PG-13 drama romance. It's an hour and 50 minutes long and directed by Stephen Daltrey, um, who hasn't directed a whole lot, kind of like the author mm-hmm. of the book. He did direct um, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, um, okay. which is on our list yeah. of books. And then um, he did a few episodes of The Crown. But Ooh, I love the other crown. than that, not much else I recognize. Interesting. So. It's pretty, because uh, I didn't know this was a book. Mm-hmm. I've known this as a movie, and it's a very star-studded cast. So that's impressive yeah. that they were able to get that, those people to yeah. star in this not really well-known story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the IMDb synopsis reads, the story of how the novel Mrs. Dalloway affects three generations of women, all of whom, in one way or another, have had to deal with suicide in their lives. And Mrs. Dalloway is an actual Virginia Woolf yes, book, correct? correct. <laughs> like that is, <laughs> yeah. it's almost kind of like, I mean, we just got done doing Girl with a Pearl Earring, which was like a historical fiction. Mm-hmm. This is I know. You know, it's based on something real, but it's not. This is fiction. my fault because like I like we talked about last week, I thought this book was like a horror yeah, or like you a wanted thriller. To do it for Halloween. <laughs> and we like to kind of like space out like the types of books that we read. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure our next one, which we'll talk about at the end, is also a historical fiction. Well, so we're just gonna call this November historical yeah. fiction. Month. Well, and that's a little bit uh on my fault too, because I'm like Russia just picked the the shortest books. This is a really bad time. Not bad time, but very busy yeah. time. So it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> we're, we're reading books that we wouldn't have otherwise. Exactly. So I think it works. Uh, so some inter- interesting facts. Uh, the book won the 1999 Pul- Pulitzer or Pulitzer, depending on how you say it, prize for fiction and the 1999 Penn Faulkner Award for fiction. So, I mean, high praise. I feel like a Pulitzer Prize is yeah. a pretty big prize to win. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the book concerns three generations of women, obviously, um, that were affected by the classic novel, Mrs. Dalloway. Um, Cunningham's novel, the one we're covering, uses the device in Wolf's Mrs. Dalloway of placing the action of the novel within the space of one day, mm-hmm. which we've done stuff or I've, yeah. we've definitely read things that have, you know, everything kind of happens in mm-hmm. one day. Um, but I, I thought that was uh, an interesting It doesn't feel like it, though. Point. No. Especially in the movie. It's, yeah. You, you don't think that at all. Yeah. So... Uh, Cunningham took the title, The Hours, mm-hmm. from the original working title that Virginia Woolf was going to call mm-hmm. Mrs. Dalloway. I did so read I thought, that. I love that that was like a play on what she was, you know, thinking of possibly calling her mm-hmm. own book. Um, obviously, we'll get into it, but the uh, topics covered in this book, you know, deal with LGBTQ, mental illness, and what I loved the most was this patterns of three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what uh, the specific ones that like are the most prominent, uh, we 
obviously the three women themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that there's like a love triangle between Clarissa, Richard, and Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanessa's three kids. And then um, the trio of Laura, her husband, Dan, and Richie. I thought that was cool. I always love seeing or like, not uncovering, because I definitely didn't uncover this, but, yeah. you know, things like that where um, it, it comes into play into the, the storyline. Um, and then in, di- in addition to the adaptation that we're covering today, there was a short film directed by Tim McNeil called The Hours, a live tribute that uh, was released in 2016 hmm. as well. Obviously haven't seen that one, but there you have it. Interesting. So the movie has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. It's like in the middle range. Yeah, I mean, especially with a movie that kind of has, I don't want to say polarizing, but I don't have a better word for it, <laughs> um, topics uh-huh. where people have strong opinions about yeah. some of these topics that are brought up. So I thought it was pretty good. The budget was $25 million and worldwide gross $108 million, which wow. is pretty good. Um at the very beginning uh, of the movie, we see uh, Virginia's suicide note uh, mm-hmm. to Leonard. And it's not only is it spoken verbatim in the movie, if you actually look at the letter that he's reading, it is word for word what the letter oh, looked like. And um, they tried to make it as visually the same mm-hmm. as the suicide letter. Um, but of course, like you yeah. can't replicate that exactly. So yeah. I didn't do a lot of research. I probably should have to like really learn about Virginia Woolf herself. Yeah, I, have you read any of her books or anything? I haven't. No. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me want to. I know. Though, so yeah. isn't there a book that has her name in the title? Who Killed Virginia Woolf, right? Yeah. Isn't that a book? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. You're the book person. I know. <laughs> uh, so during the editing stage, um, the producer of the movie got a call from the author, um, Michael Cunningham, requesting that they have some, he gets to see some sort of footage because during this, um, Cunningham's mom um, was in the final stages of terminal cancer and he really, really wanted his mom to see something Aww. that had been turned into a film. So um, they did make that happen and they got 20 minutes of of the of the movie for his mom to watch which is really sweet uh one of the cool scenes in this movie is when laura's on the bed and Mm -hmm. the water all comes up around her um i guess it was not cgi'd um but the effect was actually um achieved by they submerged the hotel room set into a tank of river water huh i don't know how they did it but it was cool it was kind of effective i liked it i liked that scene a lot so i want to jump right into the the cast of this movie um so it's funny. I didn't have never really. I've heard. Wait, of this. actually, is this not an Oscar winning movie? I thought I read somewhere it that is. It, it has one Oscar. Did you say that? No, but I'm going to get to. Oh, it my it's, bad. It's okay. one of the, oh, got it, one got of it, the got actors. Is, got it. This is why I don't do my own research. <laughs> yes. and I ruined the, the moment. I apologize. Um, so what I thought was funny is because I hadn't heard of this movie really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm looking at the cover of the film and it's, the three women Mm -hmm. and it says, you know, Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore and Nicole Kidman. And I was like, who is this other woman on the cover (laughs) of the movie? I was like, that's not Nicole Kidman. It is Nicole Kidman. Definitely. So Nicole Kidman plays um, the role of Virginia Woolf in this film, but it looks nothing like her. Like, props to makeup for Mm -hmm. completely transforming her absolutely absolutely so she actually won um the oscar for the best actress in the leading role in this movie um which is funny because um she won it was the 75th um academy awards and they actually struggled with putting her in the leading role category because of the three women Mm -hmm. she has the least amount of screen time 
True. than any of the other women. Well, and most often, like, when it's an ensemble cast kind of like mm-hmm. this, it's very rare. Like, they'll do supporting, but never, yeah. like, a leading role. Yeah. So, but they did put her in a leading role, and, and she won it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we just saw her in Nine Perfect Strangers that we covered on Patreon. Yeah. And I hope at some point we do cover Big Little Lies. I know it's it's passed a little bit, but I love <laughs> it. It's such a good Well, story. I mean, they're still planning, I think, new season. I hope so. so. Never say never. Um, so, but like we were talking about, it looks nothing like Nicole. Kidman. Um, she does wear a prosthetic nose uh, during this entire film to make her look more like Virginia Woolf. Uh, but I guess Nicole Kidman loved wearing it mm-hmm. because during the time of the movie, she was actually going through her divorce with Tom Cruise. And so she was tra- attracting a lot of paparazzi <laughs> and a lot of unwanted attention. So when she wore that, she wore it everywhere she could because no one recognized her. Oh, that's genius. Um, and even when um, Denzel Was- Washington was the one who presented her Oscar to her, um, when he announced the winner and he goes, the winner is by a nose, ah! Nicole Kidman um, referencing <laughs> the prosthetic nose, that's which funny. I thought was, was cool. That's incredible that a nose can change someone's like face that intensely. I'm looking at the book cover, yeah. which also has the movie cover on it, but like, it just makes me think, hmm, maybe I should have gotten a nose job. Oh, stop. Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, but to talk about the nose a little bit more, um, the movie was actually disqualified by the Academy for the best makeup um, because there are digital touch-ups done to the close-up shots of Nicole Kidman. Mm. And I guess that's one of the things that you can't do for uh, ma- for being considered It has to be makeup. natural makeup. I get it, though. Yeah. Um, and then to even authenticize herself. Is that, is that a word? Authenticize? Yeah, yeah herself. Um, Virginia Woolf is actually right, is, is right-handed and Nicole Kidman's left-handed. So she taught herself how wow. to write right-handed to, to make herself look more like Virginia Woolf. That's impressive. But I thought she did an amazing job. I mean, you can't tell. And I feel like Nicole Kidman has such a um, specific acting style yes. in a lot of her stuff. Not only does it not look like her, it doesn't sound, sound like her. Like her. No. It doesn't. It doesn't have her mannerisms. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that's what she's got to do to win Oscars. It's just not be herself. <laughs> like that's weird. <laughs> it's weird to win an Oscar for something where you don't look anything like yourself. Right. You've gone completely off base of what you how you normally that's act. That's the beauty of acting, though. Like. I know we gave her a lot of slack for um, her accent in Nine Perfect Strangers. <laughs> yeah. But on the flip side, I thought she, I mean, she's from Australia, so she has a very thick Australian accent. Yeah. She did a great job. And I do think it's easier to to kind of mimic an English accent than it yeah. is a Russian accent. But um, I thought she was so good in this. And I mean, rightfully so, I think she did deserve it. Yeah. I mean, to obviously, I know the other two weren't nominated, but mm-hmm. to essentially be the one out of yeah. this movie that gets... You know, the accolade is pretty impressive. So speaking of, uh, Laura Brown is the woman who is in the, in the, in the movie in the 1950s, Mm -hmm. 50s, 50s, um, played by Julianne Moore. Uh, she was nominated for best supporting role for Mm -hmm. this, for this film. Um, she did not win, but she does have, um, an Oscar for a leading role in Still Alice, which is also a book, so it's on our list. Um, I really like Julianne Moore. I did not love her um, at the end of this movie. I really didn't love her throughout this entire movie, if I'm being completely honest. uh, Yeah, I didn't love this this character, I guess. That's the problem. It was Um, the character, not necessarily her acting. Yeah, and then they brought her back at the end of the movie Mm. um, in an eight, like, supposedly aged, and I just didn't buy it. I was like... (laughs) She doesn't look older than the guy. She's supposed to be her, his mom. Like it just didn't, it didn't work for me. <laughs> That's fair. Well, and like 
you know, the next character we're probably going to be talking about, like when you put her up against her and then try to age her, knowing that she's probably younger than that. Like it just felt strange. Very strange. Um, Yeah. I I personally just didn't like the character, Mm -hmm. which to me, if I don't like the character, it's, it's Mm. hard. Like that actor has to do double the amount of work to make me like them. Right. And in video or movie form. Well, before we get to the third woman in here, I did want to talk okay. about um, Laura Brown's husband, Dan Brown, yes. is played by uh, John C. Riley, who is just hilarious. <laughs> um, he actually is nom- He was nominated for his best supporting role in Chicago, um, but we know him from Step Brothers, the Will Ferrell movies, and he's also the voice of Wreck-It Ralph in Wreck-It Ralph. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, I can't see him in anything but those movies. I just... <laughs> I can't. His voice takes me straight to Wreck-It Ralph. His face takes me directly to Step Brothers. That's like, funny. I just can't. Like, even though he plays a nice guy in this movie, like, it's just, it's so funny. Yeah, it's definitely out of his wheelhouse. Um, I personally, I've seen Wreck-It Ralph, but I yeah. have not seen Step Brothers or really any other Will Ferrell movie because I don't <laughs> so like Will funny. Ferrell. Um, but, I mean, for what this character was, mm-hmm. which was a very much an ancillary character. He was yeah. fine. Yeah. So I just, I couldn't not bring him up. <laughs> All right. So the third uh, main woman in this movie is uh, Clarissa Vaughn in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is that what she goes by in the book? Well, not really. Richard calls her Mrs. Dalloway, yeah. but that's not her name. Yeah. So her name's Clarissa Vaughn. She is uh, set in 2001 in the movie, uh, played by the queen, Meryl Streep. Uh, Meryl Streep has been nominated for 21 Oscars. Only four of those were for supporting roles. Um, She's won three of them for leading roles in Iron Lady uh, and Sophie's Choice and supporting role in Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, She did not get nominated for this movie, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, And the funny part, she is actually mentioned in the book. Yes, I know. I kept laughing every time I read it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Meryl. All hail the queen. I mean, Um, we covered her in Devil Wears Prada queen i think it's so funny because it's become a running joke at this point that like if an actor is nominated next to meryl streep it's almost like a given that like they'll they'll freak out but considering she's only one three your chances are pretty high that you'll win over her really i was shocked (laughs) when i saw that she's been nominated that many well and the fact i mean i personally haven't seen any of the movies she actually won Mm -hmm. for um but a lot of the movies she's been nominated for like yeah, you those know, ones that she won she were early on in her yeah. career. Which, so. I mean, it, it just goes to show she's timeless and she's been mm-hmm. doing this for years. And to me, she, she gets better with age. Um, I think for this p- specific role, it was a little... Um, I, get, I get now why Nicole Kidman was nominated for lead mm-hmm. because the story really does revolve right. around Virginia Woolf. To me, Meryl felt a little bit kind of side character. Yeah. In an ensemble cast, which, you know, to me, her, she's always mm-hmm. number one. She's always top yeah. dog, right? So it felt a little strange. I still thought she, you know, acted it perfectly mm-hmm. as she always does, mm-hmm. but it just felt kind of like not typical Meryl. Yeah. <laughs> like Meryl needs more. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of uh, Clarissa, though, um, her partner in this movie, mm-hmm. um, played by, or her name's Sally Lester, is played by Allison Janney, yes. who um, she was in The Help that we covered. Um, she has Oscar, um, she has an Oscar for her role in I, Tonya. Um, she was also in Juno and Hairspray. I guess she was actually chosen for the role of Barbara, who runs the flower shop. Oh, interesting. Um, but she insisted that she takes the role of Sally Lester, and yeah. they gave her that. And I was like, well, 
yeah, why wouldn't like why right. would you give her some just kind of side character? Yeah, that's that's which strange. I thought was interesting. Uh, but I love Allison Janney, and I think she's great. I do too. I'm trying to remember. There's there's a movie she's in, and it's like a teenage movie. I forget. I think it's Ten Things I Hate About You. She plays like the um, the principal or somebody, and she, I I just crack <laughs> up every time. She's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean the character isn't. She's in it a little bit, not yeah. too much, but had to talk about her. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, um, Richard Brown, who is Clarissa's ex, Laura's son. Like he's <laughs> intertwined throughout this whole uh-huh. this whole thing. Um, is played by Ed Harris. Um, he was nominated for best supporting role for an actor uh, for this movie. He was also in the Truman Show, Apollo thirteen, and Pollock. Um, and he's also in Westworld, and he's going to be in the new Top Gun Maverick that's Ooh. coming out. He is, like, awfully good in um, Westworld. He's like, awfully good just anywhere. Yes, but, like, specifically in his role in Westworld. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he's such a, he's so creepy, and he's such a, I don't know. I just love him in Westworld. Yeah. I think he's great. And yeah. he was, I thought he was great in this role. Um, I mean, he he's sick throughout this whole yeah, role, which I think AIDS. has got to be a... Very hard thing to mm-hmm. act, um, especially if you haven't been through it, yeah. and trying to like make sure that you legitimize it. Yeah, um, but I, I bought it. I one hundred percent bought it. We'll get into it, but like this movie was kind of a snooze fest for me. This whole mm-hmm. thing was a snooze fest. But like his scenes mm-hmm. were like so captivating and yeah. like so believable, and I was just like mesmerized mm-hmm. while I watched him. Like yeah. to me, he was he stole the show for me. <laughs> Best supporting actress, yes. Ed Harris. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, I mean, star-studded cast. Yeah. There's more that we could have talked about. Can I just name a few of them? Because yeah. like big, big deals. Mm-hmm. Claire Danes, who is now mm-hmm. incredible. Tony Collette, who's been in a bunch of stuff. Jeff Daniels. Mm-hmm. Like just, oh, um, Margot Martindale, who I think was the, um, she was like the lady next door that Laura leaves her, her yeah. son with. But like just incredible Mm -hmm. actors and actresses that like went on to do or have done incredible things. Yeah. All right. Time for who said it. Great. My favorite (laughs) time of the day. (laughs) Your first question, question. Your first quote is we want everything. Don't we? Laura. Mm. Richard. Dang it. I had to get like specific with these quotes or I had to, because I felt like a lot of them were verbatim from the movie and book, but. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. No. Help a sister out. Your next one is, you cannot find peace by avoiding life. Ooh, that's a great quote. Mm -hmm. That was Clarissa. Virginia. Are you sure Clarissa didn't like say it? I mean, she may have. Well, (laughs) technically Clarissa did because she's the character in Virginia Woolf's book. But (laughs) point for me. All right. Because doesn't she say it to Richard? I don't know. I don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she does in the movie, but in this, I grabbed this from the book, so maybe it was different. Okay, well, then I got, I'm going to say yes, it did. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, next one. What does it mean to regret when you have no choice? Laura. Yes. Yes. Good job. Did it. Um, and that's all I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that was the last one, not yeah. next one. Uh, F. Mary Kill, we got to go with our mm-hmm. three girls. So your options are three women, I should say. Virginia, Laura, and Clarissa. Okay. I feel like you've already thought this through. Yeah, I have. <laughs> um, I am. Well, now I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going to marry Clarissa because she can throw a party mm-hmm. with a lot of good appetizers. She mm-hmm. seems very organized. And flowers for days. And flowers. <laughs> and she just seems like a very caring person, you know. 
Um, and I will. Oh man. I am going to write the book with Virginia. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. Just because I feel like she's kind of strange, you know? <laughs> yeah. She's a little kooky. Um, and then we're going to just have to kill Laura because yeah. she's going through some things. Yeah. <laughs> I will agree with you. And I had a feeling you were going to pick mm-hmm. write the book. <laughs> I was yeah. like, it's either that or buy the flowers. Yeah. But <laughs> since our uh, episode is titled yes. Buy the Flowers. Uh, so the movie, we'll get into it, which is on HBO Max right now, if you we'll care, to, care to watch it again. Uh, it opens up in England in 1941, and we see a woman, um, Virginia Woolf, uh, writing a letter about going through a hard time and hearing voices. And we come to find out that, you know, she's writing these suicide letters. Because the next thing we see is her walking, grabbing a bunch of rocks, putting them in her pocket, and walking into the river. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we see that her husband comes home and starts reading the letters and then chase after her. So welcome to the movie. Can I just say, and we'll talk about him, but like Leonard. Oh, Leonard. Like I loved Leonard. (laughs) He was so sweet. just like didn't know what to do. He tried. I know. He tried so hard and was so supportive, but it didn't work out in the end. Um, (laughs) Because we should say like in real life, this is how Virginia Woolf Died. Died. She right. did die um, of suicide mm-hmm. um, by walking into a river with rocks in her pocket, which wouldn't sounds awful. Wouldn't so, be my first choice no, for sure. Exactly. Uh, so now we jump to LA in 1951, um, which in the book it's like 1940 something. Yeah. Um, I read in somewhere that they did that purposely in the movie because they wanted the women to have some like at the beginning of the 50s women were starting to have a little bit more independence independence Mm -hmm. than in the 40s even though it was a couple years so that's why they they did that i just assumed it was because of the nice outfits that they wear yeah i love i mean (laughs) look if i had to choose a decade it'd be the 50s we talked about this so um but we see a man coming home to his sleeping wife and then we jump back to uh, England in 1923, and we see a woman, Virginia, um, sick in bed. And then we jump to New York <laughs> in 2001. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this how it's going to be? Like The entire boom, time. Boom, boom. <laughs> and it really kind of is. Yeah. So stick with me here. Uh, so It's really how the book is, too, yeah, honestly. So it's, we're now in New York City in 2001, and we see a woman walking home um, and then getting into bed with another woman um, in the morning. And you kind of can feel the tension from the very beginning <laughs> scene of this. Yeah. Um, but then I, I thought it was kind of, it was beautifully done. Like we see the these three women all in some sort of bed, mm-hmm. and then they do this kind of cool little montage of them all waking up, yeah, right about the same time, going through their morning routines, putting themselves together. And I was like, all right, that was kind of cool. Like this is and this is kind of the tone for the whole book yeah. movie. Though. It would have been very even mellow. cheesier if they did like a split screen and showed all three of them. Really, I, it really would have. It would have. Um, but so now we are back with Virginia in 1923 and we see Leonard, her husband, and he's trying to get her to just come eat lunch with her because we, we find out that she's ill. Mm-hmm. Um, we never really find, we find out some more mental illness yeah. than, than anything, but the very beginning you kind of think, all right, maybe she's physically ill. Um, and he's just wanting her to come down and, and eat with him and, you know, spend time with him. But all she wants to do is write. She's like, I have like a first line down. I gotta, 
I gotta go. I can't imagine being a writer and like, I'm sure a lot of them go through this where right. they like forget to eat because they're so focused on reading or writing whatever they're, I they're writing. I think authors just have the most beautiful minds and I can mm-hmm. only imagine the, what goes on around them yeah. while they're writing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but this is where we get um, the quote that I got the title from is, and then she thought she will buy the flowers. And I love this quote because I just feel like it's very, it can be, you know, it can be explained in a couple different ways. You can take it in a, in a few different Mm ways. Um, I felt like in the, you know, in this story, it's more of that is the woman taking the role in her life and just doing things for herself and let of, instead of, letting somebody else do it for her. It reminds me of your shirt that you posted about today. About I did. women doing the, the work. I literally am wearing it right now. And it says, let the women do the work. <laughs> so. it, it, it reminds me of that quote where they say, like, don't send a man to do a woman's job. Absolutely. Like, yes. Well, and I mean, tangent here, the shirt that I'm wearing is um, merch from one of my favorite podcasts, mm-hmm. true, true Crime Podcast. And because Jillian, who's one of the hosts of it, it, she all the time, because half of these crimes are are either solved or put in the right direction because women just take it upon themselves to mm-hmm. go and do things themselves. They're right. like, all right, the cops aren't going to do it. Let me, let me, let me do it. And let, and she's like, let the women do the work. Man. Who run the world. Right. Yeah. That's what I <laughs> Exactly. So we're, we now jump to Laura in, in 51 again, and she's waking up um, to have breakfast with her family. And we find out it's her husband's birthday. And, she decides that she wants to make him a cake. And we also get to meet um, little Richie. He is so <laughs> Not cute. to be confused with the singer, little no. Richie. <laughs> um, but it's her, her son. He is such a cute little kid. Um, did you make the connection right away? I did not. Mm. It took me a minute. It took me actually I made the it. End. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I made it the second we meet older Richard. Oh, okay. I was like, hmm, that's too convenient. Yeah. And the times just seem perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, I very much seem, you know how we've talked about how a lot of books have cats in them mm-hmm. to who kind of see all the things. Yeah. I feel like that, especially when he was younger, yeah. he kind of took on that role because he sees everything his mother does, the way she acts. And you can tell he's just internalizing oh, yeah. the whole thing. Well, and he's at an age where he may not necessarily know everything that's going on, mm-hmm. but he definitely registers a lot and knows that like what his mom is doing is a mm-hmm. little out of the ordinary right. of what he's probably seen his friends' moms do or whatever. Yeah. So. so we can tell right off the bat that Laura's not mentally there yeah. as well. We now jump to Clarissa in 2001, and she's planning this big dinner party. Uh, there's even a... Uh, sink full of crabs. <laughs> like this is what I'm saying. She knows how to how to uh, how to throw a party, uh, and she decides that she's going to go to the flower shop. Um, and it's kind of convoluted. Like unless you know what's going on, it's kind of mm-hmm. like who's this party for? Like who is this guy? Because yeah. um, she's talking to the woman at the flower shop, and the woman kind of mentions like um, a Richard and him winning. The Carruthers right. Award. It's like a poetry award. So we know, okay, now the dinner party's for him, but we're still not sure who Richard is. Right. Um, but then she makes the comment, she's like, Well, aren't you the subject of a lot of his a lot of his writing? Mm-hmm. And then we see that she has a moment. She's like, Yes, Richard. <laughs> but in the book, after she goes to the flower shop, doesn't she she runs into like an actress or something? Yeah. 
And that got completely cut out of the movie. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess it didn't really need to be included. But, like, it's just so funny. Well, and it goes back to, in the book, it's mentioned a couple times that Meryl Streep is physically mentioned and it's it's talked mm-hmm. about. But um, it would have been kind of interesting to see that, depending on who they chose mm-hmm. as the famous person yeah. for her to see. But, like, for someone of, like, Meryl Streep's stature to yeah. meet a celebrity, it yeah. would have been interesting. But I didn't feel like it was necessary to keep it as a, in, no, in the movie. No, I mean, but. I feel like the only thing you get a little bit more in-depth with Clarissa, just because you can kind of see that she she looks at this actress and is almost like, what could my life had right. had been? Yeah. Um, so Because she's you an editor, like, both in the book and mm-hmm. the movie, which, I mean, it's not a bad job but i think she probably wished a lot more for herself yeah so i think you miss a little bit of that by not having that scene but in the long run i think it was fine uh we then see that she now goes to visit richard and this is where we meet richard for the first time and he's super sick we find out that he has aids and he does not want to go to this this party no he's like no thank you which i'm like yeah i wouldn't want to either to be honest but well it's like not only just a party but i guess there's like an actual award ceremony mm-hmm. that she's expecting him to go to yeah too, and he's like yeah i don't think so yeah. <laughs> i don't want to do that um but he makes he he does say this to her which i thought was cute he goes mrs dalloway always having parties to cover up the silence and i love That's, that quote yeah that quote too um but he says, you know, before she leaves, he's like, I'm staying alive for you. Like, because so then we find out that Richard and her were together at some point. Mm-hmm. And that the only reason he is staying alive is because she's still in his life. And yeah. if she wasn't, then he wouldn't be fighting to, well, to stay there. And she makes a point to be in his life. She's she checking does. on him like every day. And like, to your point. I think a lot of the reason why she were she wonders what her white life would have been like is because of Richard and because of like her dedication to mm-hmm. him. She may have lost out on a few other things because of right. know, her dedication to him. Well, and he does kiss her goodbye, and then she's like, "All right, I'll be back at three thirty. Like she's his caregiver, basically, yeah. you know. So now we go back to Virginia in 1923, and she's drinking, she's smoking, and she—I don't know if she's drinking. She's <laughs> she's writing too, though. Um, but her her husband wants her to come down for lunch. Like he, that's all this this all poor guy. He wants. just wants to feed her. He just wants to have lunch with her. Um, and so she does go down, um, but she overhears the maids like talking crap about her, which I was like. Get them, Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so the maids are talking or the cooks or whatever, you know, talking about how they have so much to do. And Virginia's like, "Um, I would like you to go to London to get my my nephews and niece this ginger candy um, before they get here. And she's like, I cannot. (laughs) She's like, I have so much to do. And like, just when you think like Virginia's like aloof and not fully with it. She's like, Oh no, if you take this train at this time, you get there at this time, you buy it, you get back on this train and you will be back in time. Yeah. So what's not really talked about. That's kind of mentioned more in the book is like, she's actually a little frightened of the maids. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to like insert her authoritative, like, tone mm-hmm. by doing this so like she's trying to stand her ground basically to yeah. say like no i'm the boss of this house mm-hmm. and you will do as i say <laughs> well yeah because you kind of like when you're watching the maids you're like i get it like you don't want to be talked down but i'm like you do know you work for her right, right. Exactly. like come on uh so she decides to go out you know she just decides to go out for a walk after this and we hear a voice over her of her saying she's going to die she's going to kill herself which uh, these voiceover type moments with 
with Virginia, mm-hmm. I thought were kind of like eerie and kind of cool. Um, cause they're so like ambiguous and you're yeah. like, what is she talking about? It was very much the idea of like life emulating art a little mm-hmm. bit. Like you weren't necessarily sure if she was foreshadowing her own life right. or she's, you know, talking yeah. about this book that she's writing. It was a little bit of both, a lot mm-hmm. of like parallels between right. the two. So now we're, we're with Laura again in 1951 and she's baking a cake for her husband with her son. And, and her son's like, Mom, this is not hard. <laughs> like, come on. Like, everyone is, can like, make everyone cake. can do it. I cannot. <laughs> so that was just a quick little scene we got with them. Now we're back with Clarissa in 2001. And her partner comes home. And, she, like, right off the bat, she's like, oh, you've seen Richard again. <laughs> like, you know, she, she can tell, yeah. you know, you know, that she's not in the best of moods after that. And you know, she, she's like, why is everything wrong? Like you can just tell she's not settled with everything in life and which who is, you know, <laughs> but, um, you really see the struggle between where she is in life, where she's been in life. We can all relate, you know? So that, that was one of the things I did like about Meryl Streep's character and Clarissa mm-hmm. is that at least right now, like it's, in our day and age, I feel like people can relate to this character. 100%. So. She was definitely very much more relatable in, than in some of her other yes. roles. <laughs> what do you mean? Not Miranda? <laughs> She's a little bit out of my league. Right. Uh, so now we're with Laura again in 1951. Uh, and that poor cake did not turn out. No. Uh, that would have been a cake that I would have made. Yeah. <laughs> so her neighbor comes over at this point and the, the neighbor actually points out, she's like, Oh, you're reading Mrs. Like you're reading a book. And then she says, Oh yeah, I'm reading Mrs. Dalloway. And we find out that this neighbor of hers um, is going to the hospital later that day because she has a growth on her uterus and she needs her to feed the dogs. And we, you know, find out a little bit more that she pretty much can't have babies and she's very much struggling with that and she starts crying and then like randomly laura kisses her Mm -hmm. and this was a crazy scene like it was very much like i couldn't imagine being in the 50s right like this is what like she says in this in this scene i you don't feel like you're a woman unless you have kids and I can just imagine the pressure in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Well, and like when she kisses her, her neighbor Kitty mm-hmm. is just like, oh, you're sweet. Mm-hmm. Like basically like, thank you for like trying to comfort me. Right. Not like, oh, do you might have feelings for me? You yeah. might like women. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, obviously it was not talked about back then. Right. So she brushes it off and then Laura's kind of like feel like an idiot yeah you could tell she was like is that okay and so it was a very kind of awkward scene but very like eye-opening of the times type scene uh and so once once kitty walks away um and goes home uh laura throw throws the cake away (laughs) as she should yeah (laughs) no one wants that cake uh we're now back with virginia in 1923 and we see her sister and her kids show up and they show up very early yeah which no one likes early guests. I'm always an early guest. You're like a few minutes early or you're an on-time guest, but like hours ahead. Yeah. That happens multiple times here where people just show up very early. It's true. Um, but we come to find out that the doctors have actually forbade um, Virginia to come see her sister. So she hasn't seen her sister in a long time. Uh, we forgot to mention they're in Richmond mm-hmm. in England. So it's a, it's a suburb. Um, her sister lives in London. Mm-hmm. They used to live in London, but because of everything that Virginia has been going through, her husband Leonard thought, let's move you to the countryside yes. and hopefully that'll help. 
not the case. Not the case. Um, but she's spending time with um, with the kids, and they end up finding this like hurt bird. And they decide to do this like burial for this bird. <laughs> um, and the little girl asks, you know, Virginia, like, what happens when we die? And Virginia goes, well, I suppose we go back where we came from. And the little girl's like, but I don't know where I came from. She's like, it's fine. No, none of us do. Yeah. So. I thought that was sweet. Like, no one's ever positioned it that way or like mm. said it in that way of like, yeah. we just go back to where we came from. Yeah. Let's so. if we're aliens or something. <laughs> See, Virginia Woolf. Brilliant mind. Uh, we're now back with Laura again in 1951. And she's laying in bed um, while her son Richie is playing. And he's still in his pajamas. Like, it's got to be late afternoon yeah. at this point. And um, she ends up getting up, though. She grabs, like, a purse and then goes to um, the medicine cabinet and pulls a bunch of, like, pill bottles mm-hmm. and stuff and put them in the, in the bag. And then she decides she wants to make a new cake and then they're going to go out. Yeah. See, I thought almost, I was like, is she going to poison her husband? <laughs> like that was where my mind went un- initially. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. I kind of knew where it was headed, but like uh, that was definitely an addition because in the book at this point, mm-hmm. she doesn't Mm-mm. like grab pills or it's really pills aren't even talked about at right. this point. Yeah. It seemed a little like um, ahead of the times. Yeah. A little bit like. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't bored. I wasn't alive in the 50s, yeah. but I didn't know they had like yellow prescription bottles like we do now. Right. Like, that feels like <laughs> a modern It seemed a little thing, out of place, you know? yeah. So, uh, but now we're with um, Clarissa again in 2001, and this is where we meet Lewis for the first time. Um, yeah, Lewis is played by the guy who plays... Um, he, he's in 101 Dalmatians, the live action, <laughs> and that's all I can see him in now. So anyways, uh, but he shows up early um, and right off the bat, we were like, does anybody like, like, um, like Lewis and Richard? Because, because Meryl Streep, I mean, Clarissa does not seem to like Lewis. Lewis does not seem to like Richard. And I was like, no one seems to like each other in this situation. Listen, that's what happens when you're in a love triangle. I know that's true. Because we <laughs> find out that not only is Richard Clarissa's ex, but he's also Lewis's mm-hmm. ex. Uh, and they're having this kind of like awkward conversation trying to like be civil and then they go into the kitchen and clarissa just like has a mental breakdown and i'm like been there (laughs) you know like it 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 was like this is meryl at her finest like having this just like mental breakdown and being able to like like act it just perfectly you know what i mean like it wasn't overdone it was like this slow oncome of like panic mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah like that's how it happens like yeah. you don't scream like you just literally are like my world feels like it's 1000 percent caving in on me and i'm gonna stand here and just cry about yeah. it you know well and smart on the director's part to have her do it because in the book it's actually lewis that mm-hmm. loses it yeah <laughs> so they're like, he tried because he wouldn't have been there's no way that actor was gonna do that it wouldn't have no been way. believable and you know you, you give the uh hard tasks to the queen yeah. and she will do them exactly. perfectly but yeah in the book lewis is the one that kind of cries over like he i think he's basically just saying like he doesn't think that richard ever loved him mm-hmm. um which i'm trying to remember in the movie is it talked about like who dated Richard first? No, it's like it's this scene is so like convoluted. Yeah, because in the book it's it's mentioned like he was dating mm-hmm. Lewis and then he had somewhat of an affair essentially mm-hmm. with Clarissa and then it kind of yeah. became like this love triangle situation. Yeah, because she talks about how you know her and Richard had only had one summer together. Yeah, like it wasn't this long love life right. that they had. It was just like this 
very, very passionate summer. Which is know? incredible considering now, years later, she's still, you know, his caretaker and still in right. his life. Lewis is barely in his life. So it's mm-hmm. just interesting. Yeah. So very uh, powerful scene, yeah. um, especially if you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we're with Laura in 1951 again. Um, the new cake is perfect. <laughs> um, but she decides to take um, little Richie to her neighbor's. And again, this kid is super intuitive. He knows that like his mom isn't just dropping him off for an afternoon and he loses it. He like goes running down the street after her crying, Mm -hmm. trying to get her back. Uh, But she drives away. She checks into a hotel. Uh, She she sits on the bed and oh, I guess we should all mention she's pregnant at this time. She is um, supposed to be having their second kid. She's like four months pregnant or something. And she sits on the bed. She starts reading Mrs. Dalloway. And we see her thinking about killing herself. Mm-hmm. So not drugging the husband in the cake. <laughs> she was going to drug herself. Right. It's interesting because in the book, like I said, there's no mention of pills. And at this point, mm-hmm. she's really just checking in to get an escape. Yeah. She's like, I just need somewhere quiet to read my book. Yeah. I need to escape from like this like duty to be a mother and a wife and all this other stuff. Eventually, she does think to herself in the book, like, that would be an interesting way to mm-hmm. go, would be to kill yourself and, and do it in a hotel room yeah. where, you know, would consider, be considered an accident or, or whatever. But, yeah, they very much make it a point to say she went there in mm-hmm. the movie with the intention of killing herself yeah. by, you know, um, pills. Well, and this is where we kind of get that scene of the the room filling up with water mm-hmm. and the river water. So, I mean, for visual effects and kind of dramatics, I guess yeah. that's probably why they did it. Uh, because now we see Virginia in 1923 again, and she's daydreaming about her own story. And she then goes, you know, she was going to kill the heroine, um, but she can't. Um, she's going to kill somebody else. But she's saying this while the kids are around. And <laughs> yeah. like the sister is like, we got to go like you're not in the right headspace yeah. here. Uh, and so her sister decides to leave early and then Virginia like dramatically kisses her. Like it's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and her sister is very uncomfortable. Um, and she says to her, Virginia says to her sister, she goes, didn't I seem well? And her sister's like, you did. <laughs> and then not yeah. so much. So I, I, I feel like this movie has a lot of like impactful scenes Mm -hmm. here and there um like with this one she just wants it confirmed that she's doing better her whole like mission is to get out of richmond to go back to london to live what she considered her normal life before all of this and you know the fact that vanessa is now realizing like oh she's not Mm -hmm. as okay as like she tried to make herself seem and then again you know we have another scenario where she is grappling with the idea of possibly you know liking women even if it's her sister like she's still even more so than in the Mm -hmm. 50s with laura it's like now you're in the 20s where like that was probably like what a woman liking a woman absolutely not not. that's like unheard of um so yeah it's just it's interesting to see that dynamic through different Mm -hmm. um eras yeah well and you know talking about mental illness and i i thought it was important especially with virginia to like have that struggle of someone being aware Mm -hmm. that they are not mentally there because a lot of times I think people think like when someone's mentally ill, you know, they have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They have no idea what they're doing is, is not okay. But like, this is another side of that of like, she knows that she's not well, she wants to be well and it's just not going the way she wants to. 
So we're now with Clarissa in uh, 2001 again, and her daughter shows up. And we kind of like her daughter's like all frazzled. In the book, her daughter like comes with a friend. Yeah. Well, not only that, but she comes when Lewis is still there. Yeah. And they have like an exchange and, and whatnot. But yeah, she comes with some girl named Mary who um, Clarissa does not like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they have like this weird, like awkward exchange between them. But essentially it's like, I don't know if in the book it was another dynamic of a, a woman, woman situation. I don't yeah. know what, what the plan was there, um, but it's very brief and I can understand why they took it out of the movie. Yeah. The only thing is that I felt like the relationship with her daughter in the book seemed a lot more strained mm-hmm. than it did in the movie. Like you kind of get it when she first comes in. She's like, mom, I know I'm late. And you know, yeah. and she's thinks her mom and her are going to start getting into it. And really she, she's like, it's fine. Like whatever. And then they have this like heart to heart. They're sitting on the bed, having a yeah. heart to heart together. And you know, her daughter tells her like, when you were with Richard, you were living mm-hmm. like that was you living your life and being happy. And so I just thought that it was like, I was like, Oh, this is a wonderful mother daughter relationship. Yeah. No, the book relationship is not, not that right. Not in that same way. So now we're with Virginia again in 1923 and we see her sneak out of the house and her husband comes home and is like, what the heck? Like, she's like, they're like, have you seen Virginia? Like, right. is anyone going to help me out here? Well, and, and like, I, I felt bad for the maids a little bit, but also like, you know, the condition that she's right. in, you should probably be a little bit more concerned with like her just randomly right. leaving the house. Yeah. So her husband runs out and he's like, oh, I know where she is. Uh, he finds her at the train station and he basically just tell yells at her for being ungrateful and like, Everyone's trying to help you here and you're not understanding this. And he's like, you've tried to kill yourself twice at this point. So this is the first time we hear that she has actually tried to commit suicide uh, twice. And she says, she's like, I just want to move back to London. I'm done being here. I want to go back there. Um, But we all know that that is not going to happen. Well, he does agree to it at least. He does agree to it, but at least in the moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So now we're with Laura in 1951 again or 53, 53, 51, 51, 51. And, uh, she goes to pick up her son and because at this point, at least in the, in the movie, she didn't think she was going to come back. She went to the hotel to kill herself. Now she's back picking up her son and she, they're in the car and she's like, he's like, I missed you. Like you were, you know, you were gone. And she's like, well, it was going to be, I thought it was going to be for a lot longer. And it's just like, gut-wrenching and again being the super intuitive kid he was like mom i love you and i'm like this poor kid like you know it really was it was hard to like see it through the eyes of like a little boy because they're so much smarter than we give them credit for it's like incredible like i think about my little nephews who are only like two and a half Mm -hmm. but they pick up on so much that i'm always like yeah i'm always like you know careful of like what i say around them so we now get one one of the reveals is that uh, Richard in 2001 with Clarissa is actually Richie, the little boy from Laura in mm-hmm. 1951. Ha ha. I did not get it. You didn't get like the Mrs. Dalloway reference? You know, I just kind of like go through these things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now we're with Clarissa again in 2001 and she goes to pick up Richard and he is just completely trashing the place. Like he's super manic. We come to find out that he's taking a Xanax and Ritalin together and he's just not okay. And he tells, you know, he tells Clarissa, like, 
tell me a story. Like, I want to hear a story about, you know, us and, you know, whatever. And while he is listening to her talk to him, he's opening the window to the, his, like, what, 10-story apartment. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting, sitting on the windowsill. And by the time she gets done, you know, talking to him, he falls out the, the back of the window and, you know, jumps. He doesn't fall. Sorry. So he does commit suicide and Clarissa's right there to see it. And it's just like gut wrenching. This scene was a hard to watch Mm -hmm. B probably the most impactful for me. Yeah. Um, seen in this movie and just like, it's incredible because I know that, you know, more these days than back in the day, like Mm -hmm. assisted suicide is much more commonly like, um, accepted and things like that. Like, to, to the earlier conversation that she ha- he had with Clarissa, he was saying, like, I'm only staying alive for you. Yeah. Like, I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling. I need to, to go, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's really, he took life into his, you know, or death into his own mm-hmm. hands and decided to, to end his pain, yeah. basically. Well, in the book, we get an additional scene where she actually, like, runs back down and, like, finds him in his, awful. like, situation. Like, you know, how he ends up yeah. and stuff. And it's just awful. Ugh. I'm thankful that they kept that up right we do see him like out of the window but it doesn't after that it goes to to scene Uh, but now we're with laura again in 1953 and they're eating the birthday cake they're at the kitchen table and richard not richard um what's her husband's name Dan, Dan, you know, it's his birthday and he's he's such a loving husband. And he starts telling Richard about how he fell in love with Laura and very sweet. It's super sweet. And she's just like mortified. She's like, don't tell him that story. Like, and I'm just like, I get you're going through some things, but like for your son, let him hear the story. Like, let your husband hear this story, you know? So super kind of hard to watch. Um, We're now back with Virginia in 1923. And someone is, I think it's her husband is Mm -hmm. asking her, like, why does somebody have to die? In your novel. In your novel. Like, what is the, why, why can they just not all live? And her answer to that is so everybody else can value life more. And which I'm like, Oh, geez. Like, that sucks. But, mm-hmm. like, it's so true. Like, how many times have you had someone pass away in your life? And, like, especially for the weeks and months after, like, the value of your life is exponentially higher yeah. than it's ever been. And I'm like, Virginia, you know what we're thinking, man. <laughs> like, she's genius. But super sad, but very, like, accurate in mm-hmm. her thinking. Uh, we're now back with Laura. She also does yeah. mention that she, she says that the poet will die. Yes. So she's again yeah. foreshadowing the situation with yes. Richard and everything. So we're now with Laura in 1951 and we see her hiding in the bathroom. She's sitting in the bathroom. Her husband's talking to her from the other room and he was like, hey, like, did you hear that kitty went to the doctor for a routine checkup and, you know, just innocently talking mm-hmm. and she's in the room, in the bathroom crying and trying to cover it up. And he's just like, are you coming to bed? And she's like, yeah. He's like, like, are you coming to bed? Like, it's just like this, like yeah. awful, like feeling for both of them because, you know, she's not happy and yeah. he is so in love with her. Like, it's just a gut wrenching type scene. We're now with uh, Clarissa in 2001 and we see them, packing up for that party that they started putting together the very beginning of this movie. So all in one day, it was really hurting my heart that, that they were all just the f- throwing the food away. Well, no, what's her name? Uh, Sally was trying to package it in some Tupperware and then, uh, Clarissa comes in and just starts dumping it. I'm just like, give it away. Give, give it to homeless yeah, people. Come give on. it to other people. <laughs> right. 
Uh, there then is a knock on the door, and it's Laura Brown. Uh, she, an aged mm-hmm. Laura Brown. Uh, shows, an, an, a non-believable aged yeah. Laura Brown. <laughs> um, she shows up. And <clears throat> this is what I thought was interesting, because, yes, it is all supposed to be in one day. Mm-hmm. Laura wasn't showing up for the party. She was showing up after knowing that he died, yeah. right? I think they make mention of, like, someone asks her, like, oh, you were able to get a flight. And she's yeah. like, yeah, I, like, did it immediately. Because I, like, I think he died during the day. Mm-hmm. So depending on where she lived, she might have been close enough to yeah. just hop on a plane and but get there. But it's just kind of this eerie scene. Like, there's no emotion coming from her. And I don't know if that was Julianne Moore or if it was the directing, they just told her to kind of be matter of fact of everything. I almost feel like the the role asked for it or yeah. called for it because of like what we know of Laura and her eventual yeah. relationship with Richard. Well, and even like lack thereof, I should say, we do see Clarissa's or we hear Clarissa's daughter at one point. She's like, "Oh, so that's the monster," and we're like, "Okay, so Richard has told them, you know, that mm-hmm. she is not." Not been a good mother because then we do find out she says very matter of factly that her husband Dan, you know, died of cancer and that Richard's sister is also dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so presumably she had a daughter after, you know, in the 50s. And that after that, she ended up leaving Richard and the baby. Like she abandoned them. Uh, so come to find, I don't know what else she did with her life, um, yeah. but it wasn't being a mom with them. In the book, it gets a little bit deeper. Basically, she. It's it's decided or it's understood that when she didn't kill herself at that point, she made a pact with herself. And I think it's mentioned in the movie maybe that like once the baby is mm-hmm. born, I'm leaving. Yeah. Like that's my plan because I am unhappy and it it can only get worse if I stay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she makes the plan. So basically I think like a couple of weeks or months after yeah. the, the daughter is born, she leaves. Yeah. So she essentially leaves the husband with these two young kids um, and, and goes and lives her own life um, and seemingly has a good life. Yeah. But again, if you back in that day, like to leave your family, to leave your children mm-hmm. would have been absolutely unheard right. of. So it's just interesting that she chose to, she chose happiness essentially yeah. her own, her own happiness. And I mean, I am not, no, I'm no one to judge. And if mm-hmm. that's what needed to happen for her, you know, mental health and mm-hmm. for the sake of not killing herself essentially, right. then so be it. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate, but Hey, life is unfortunate sometimes. Yeah. Well, and the movie wraps up uh, with a voiceover, you know, basically talking about love life for what it is. So, again, very vague, very ambiguous of the meaning of it. Because then we see um, another shot of Virginia walking into the water. And that's how the movie ends. Mm -hmm. The end, folks. The end. So, I mean, I think the book or the movie stayed pretty dang close to the (laughs) almost verbatim if i'm being completely honest um but yeah like besides those minor tweaks that we mentioned it's pretty much exactly like the book yeah so i mean you talked about earlier that you thought it was a little bit of a snooze fest i thought this was better than a girl with a pearl earring oh interesting i mean at least i and i don't know if i just like the eras better Mm -hmm. maybe that's what it Mm -hmm. what it was um but I don't know. I really, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the story. And I think it's one of those that I'm like, okay, I, I feel like I need to go read Mrs. Dalloway now. True. And, you know, I need to do a little bit more research. And I do like when books do that, mm-hmm. when they like make you want to do something. Yeah. With I it. would love to read some of uh, Virginia Woolf's work. Yeah. So I think I know what you're going to say, but book or movie. I'm going to go with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, 
movie was a little bit of a snooze fest. The thing, I think the problem with book and movie is there's not a lot that happens in terms of plot. Right. It's very much, you know, it's specifically tailored to talking, talk about these difficult Mm -hmm. topics. Right. Um, But I think the difference is that the book is written so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Like he uses a lot of beautiful words for lack Mm -hmm. of a better way of explaining it um for such a short book and not a lot happening Mm -hmm. it's just it's described very you know beautifully so i think that's why i'm leaning book Mm -hmm. um movie obviously star-studded cast can't you know go wrong there it just was a little bit kind of a meh yeah movie for me i'm going movie i I can't turn my back on my girls (laughs) i can't i can't do it i can't do it sorry meryl yeah (laughs) just note that when we meet meryl streep one day i'm gonna tell her Oh my God, oh, if we meet Meryl Streep. Oh my goodness. Ah, all right. That's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Movie Girls. You can also email us at theboviegirls at gmail.com and tell us how great or not great we're doing. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Um, and like we said earlier, we are on Patreon. We have a couple levels for you to sign up. Um, you if you do sign up, you get access to a lot of our bonus content, including our Karen reviews, our movie serials, where we cover um, books that have been turned into series instead of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Which we, we have, need to start a new one. I so. know. You wanted to do a Christmas-themed one, but I'm going to try to force you not to yet. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you're, you're, so, you're the one that said we're busy. I'm but. never too busy for Christmas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All you have to do to sign up is go to patreon.com forward slash girls or hit the link in our bio on Instagram. So coming up next week, um, I don't know if you guys are all privy to this, um, but I Netflix, if you're listening, we have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. We're a little worried, wondering why you didn't call us for this, um, but no, we are excited. Netflix is starting a new series called, but have you read the book? Is yes. that what it's called? They've essentially started a book club, mm-hmm. um, but there is a, uh, a series or a thing that... Um, I always forget her name and she has a beautiful name and I'm going to mm-hmm. butcher it. So I'm not even going to bother. But, um, uh, one of the actor actresses who is in orange is the new black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she is the host of, of said thing that they're doing, mm-hmm. but essentially it's a book club where they, a lot of, how do I say this? These days, a lot of movies that uh-huh. were originally books have been created. Obviously, Netflix being one of the, if not the biggest streaming site, mm-hmm. has decided to capitalize on this right. and created this book club. Again, why they didn't call us, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but we're starting with their very first yes. one that they've announced, yes. which is... Which is Passing. Yes. Um, so it's a pretty short book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another kind of period piece. It's set in the 20s. Yep. Uh, it, I just finished the book, so I, I'm I'm interested how this one's going to come to life. I'm kind of excited to do it. So I am we'll too. See. Well, and I, I, you bought the book, and I just mm-hmm. looked at the book on your table, and it's a teeny tiny book. It's super so teeny. <laughs> if you, you know, are looking for something short to read for right now, mm-hmm. and you want to join in on the read and watch with us, mm-hmm. please pick it up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, and remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.